0: Welcome back to Monsters Never Die, Talk Film Society's spooky season podcast, where we take a look at the original Universal Monsters, as well as their reimaginings and remakes. I'm one of your co-hosts, Matt Curione, editor-at-large over at Talk Film Society, and joining me on this journey through the classics and beyond is...
1: Glub glub, you soggy motherfuckers, it's Jacob Denoble. How the hell are you, you you, you creature from (laughs) the Black Lagoon? (laughs) Hoping my mom stopped listening to this podcast a couple episodes ago. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> She'd be very proud of what you of your uh, what you've come up with. Sorry, mom.
0: <laughs> uh, so yeah, uh, this is our "quote unquote" final episode. Rip. Uh, once we re- once we finish recording this and get the episode out, we will disintegrate into nothingness, mm-hmm. much much like the sands of time and the DNA that evolved into the creature from the Black Lagoon, which is what we're discussing today. I've been waiting a long time for this episode. A few episodes in fact Because I don't know if you know this Jacob The Gill Man Or the Creature from the Black Lagoon As most people know him Is my favorite Universal monster I love him So much He's just such a cool Cool character You know mm-hmm. uh, he, he looks really cool I'm a big fan of like Monster suits Which obviously goes back to my love of uh, You know Godzilla movies and such But This is the ultimate monster suit uh, at least for me, definitely. Uh, what What are your thoughts on the creature in general?
1: Oh no, he's the best. I was him for Halloween two years ago. I uh, you did a great job into a suit that I think looked pretty good. The face was a little wonky, but you know you do what you can.
0: Yeah, this movie rules.
1: Yeah, no, I and love him. He's uh, he's you know he's soggy. He's surly. He's kind of romantic. He's great. Yeah, uh, we're going to talk about this, epi- this this movie now,
0: uh, but we're also going to talk about the inspirations, you know, where this came from and such, and uh, this is a lot later than our last uh, Monsters that we've been talking about. It came out in 54, it was shot in 3D, uh, which was a huge thing at the time, because this was like, that was like the new gimmick at the time, mm-hmm. except it wasn't like people think of 3D being back then. Most people would think, you know, the, the red and blue glasses. Correct. The the glasses that they used for this were very similar to the ones we wear today, mm-hmm. which uh, thank you, James Cameron, for making that popular again. Uh, <laughs> you, do, you do very good work both in and out of the water, as we've seen. Uh, yeah, uh, I've never seen this in 3D. Have you?
1: Uh, yes. Yeah, so I got to see a theatrical copy of this uh, at the AFI Silver Spring, which is my favorite movie house. And um, yeah, so it was in the original 3D. Uh, Julie Adams was there in the crowd with us. Oh, that's and, awesome. Uh, yeah, so there was a Q&A with her afterwards, and I gotta tell you, if you can see this theatrically in 3D, you must. I think this movie gains so much from being in 3D that it's almost a lesser movie when it's not, even though it's still Good 3D. lord.
0: Wow. Uh, yeah, I've never gotten the chance. I've always wanted to, Um I have a, uh, a buddy of mine, uh, Joe. He's the host of uh, the Movie Dumpster podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, a couple years ago for his birthday, uh, they all went uh, back to his uh, parents' house who have a 3D TV, mm-hmm. a really big one. And they watched the 3D Blu-ray. You know, they made popcorn and everything. And he said it's like out of this world, Yeah, uh, that, that disc. And the- uh, I don't have a 3D TV, so I will never <laughs> get to do this. Uh, it's really a shame. Maybe I'll uh, go over his parents' house one day when... You know they're not home and
1: just sneak in and watch the movie. I briefly uh, <laughs> lived somewhere that had a 3D Blu-ray player, a 3D capable projector, but we didn't own any glasses, so we were out of ah,
0: luck. <laughs> that's the worst.
1: But um, but yeah, in, in 3D, the uh, the underwater scenes are really lyrical and mm-hmm. they just this movie uses depth so well. You know, I think a lot of people when they Whenever they talk about 3D movies from the past, they're always like, no, this isn't like those cheesy ones in the past where they're constantly throwing stuff at you. This was all about depth and looking into the screen. And that's exactly what is going on here. You have the lagoon, which just stretches out forever. You have these underwater scenes with the, you know, you have the layer of bubbles, you have the creature itself, and it's all being shot actually underwater. So it just looks so incredible.
0: It looks really cool.
1: Yeah. So uh, not to make you super jealous, Matt, but yeah, you should definitely... I
0: am eternally
1: jealous. Find a chance to see this in 3D. It's amazing.
0: Jacob, I have nothing but jealous thoughts. Real quick, let's talk about Jack Arnold, the director yeah. here. Uh, really like him. Uh, I have, haven't seen everything he's done, but I've seen a few, including this and uh, the next year that he did uh, Tarantula. And I love Tarantula. I, I think have that not movie,
1: seen
0: it. I think that movie's really cool. Uh, we might talk about that one down the line. Maybe we'll do like a, a killer bug Killer Insect episode. Uh, but that was great. you're forgetting that we are dying. Oh, yeah. We die after this. I forgot about that. <laughs> womp womp. Uh, but yeah, no. Tarantula is awesome. Uh, he was brought on to do this uh, basically because he was doing you know a lot of sci-fi at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, uh, two years, a year previous, he had done It Came From Outer Space, which was another 3D film. So obviously, they, they wanted a director who knew how to shoot in 3D. And hey, guess what? They got a pretty good one here.
1: Yeah. 3D, uh, actually, just to talk a little bit m- more about that, it um, the, the first real big theatrical 3D event was House of Wax with Vincent Price. Yes, which great really, movie. Great movie.
0: Great and- movie, oh my god. I recently saw that for the first time, and uh, yeah, that's a total slasher movie. And if someone had told me that years ago, I would have watched it then. <laughs>
1: Matt, do you want to know something shocking about that movie? Please do. Adjusted for inflation. That is the highest grossing horror movie of all time outside of the exorcist and the sixth sense that's insane and like jaws if you count jaws as a horror movie yeah but like wow. it beats almost everything else <laughs> <which> <laughs> yeah, that's wonderful i know i think of it as kind of the avatar effect where a movie that introduces yeah. 3d to a generation makes an insane amount of money and then just kind of completely drops off the cultural map off. because like yeah we don't talk about house of wax nearly as often as we talk about Even the creature from the Black Lagoon. Exactly. Uh, God,
0: I love House of Wax, though. Yeah,
1: no, it rules. Um, Uh, Classic Vincent Price. (laughs) The creature, I think, you know, we are obviously including him in our Universal Monster series. The Universal Monster lineup tends to include him. I think that's kind of ahistorical, maybe. He doesn't really fit in with the rest of the Universal Monsters. He's very much of a different
0: era different era he's more of they're more of like the classic era uh you back in the 50s you had a lot of like atomic horror yeah and this kind of fits in with that
1: yeah i mean he's he is technically entirely natural but um he you know he does kind of fit that he's a missing link he's yeah he's a science monster in that science of evolution which is why you get that weird Giant stock footage opening about the creation of the universe at the which start Which is of this awesome. Movie. It's great. It's I don't know why they thought they needed that. But, you know <laughs> Studios always think that audiences are very dumb. They're like, all right, which, how do which, we explain which, what a gill man is? Where do we have to me, start? The beginning of the universe.
0: <laughs> hear me out, Jacob. Most audiences are very dumb. I yeah, but like Except for ours. Our audience is great.
1: They're very they're they're very genius peoples i, I don 't think most audiences need the earth being formed explained this that 's fair
0: that's this movie takes fair. place
1: on earth let me explain let me explain where Earth came from <laughs> and
0: then we 'll get to your monster movie in just a moment real quick I want to talk about the design of the actual Gillman yes please do uh, an amazing uh, suit uh, that was actually you know originally designed uh, by uh, an animator, she worked for Disney, uh, Millicent Patrick.
1: Yes, finally she, starting
0: to get the due she deserves. Thank goodness, because she basically, she designed what the Gill Man should look like. I mean, I'm not sure, she didn't actually build the suit, right? No, but... Um, no, she, but she came up with that classic looking design mm-hmm. that would eventually, you know, be built built by uh, Bud Westmore's group, who, you know, through the years would play down her role. About, you know, what she did. Because, you know, hey, women can't do anything, Jacob. I don't know jack-asses. if you knew this. They, they can't do anything. Bunch um, of
1: jackasses.
0: It, it's the worst. It's the worst. and uh, But, no, she deserves all the credit that has been coming to her in recent years. Um, I think this
1: design is one of the reasons the creature does get lumped in with the other monsters. And it's because it is so iconic and so yes. beautiful. Like, a lot of those atomic monsters don't necessarily... Hold, not necessarily hold up, but they you know they look of a time of a piece. Creature from the Black Lagoon. You could yeah. pull that design out with no changes, and he would still look great.
0: He would still look fantastic. Uh now that he was played uh on the land scenes by uh Ben Chapman mm-hmm. uh who uh he passed away in nineteen in two thousand seven two thousand eight. Uh but he was, you know, he was the gill man. Yeah. That was pretty cool. And Underwater scenes were he was played by Rico Browning, who was you know he was a he was a stunt man at the time, and mm-hmm. he play, basically played the underwater stunt work for all three creature films. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, w- look him up on uh, Wikipedia. Look up a picture of Rico Browning. Uh, he's a looker. Uh, it's yep. kind of a shame that they they put a giant fish man mask on him <laughs> hu- because hubba hubba. <laughs> yeah, so that's him yeah that's 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 the gill man, and yeah let's let's talk about um let's talk about this movie let's get into it
1: yeah yeah um uh, it's uh it's a pretty quick log line, which is bunch this of people, is how earth started yeah a bunch <laughs> of people go down to the uh to the black lagoon, find some weird fish man skeletons decide to figure out what's up with that, and then yeah. they come across a creature from the black lagoon. Yeah, it's pretty great. And, yeah, and you know, but he then he catches the uh, catches uh,
0: Julie Adams. He's like, mm-hmm. "Oh, look at her; she's really pretty." And a lot of people may have missed that, you know, when they saw this as a kid. But uh, a lot of people didn't miss that. Uh, Guillermo del Toro included. We'll get to him. <laughs> we'll get to him in a little bit when we, we talk about his. If by his included film. you mean specifically Guillermo specifically del Toro. specifically specifically del Toro, yes. Um, so yeah, it's, it, this is a, a great cast that we have here you know, we have all the scientists, uh, you have like the, the scientist who cares about, you know, actual research and, you know, preservation. The other scientist who's basically a big game hunter who's like, yeah, I'm an asshole. I just want to kill this thing. I love
1: that that relationship develops slowly though. A lot of times in these kinds of movies, the asshole character is asshole from minute one. And in this one, you get a little bit of time, you get a little bit of setup yeah. of their friendship and their relationship and respect between them before he starts to really kind of twist the knobs on that
0: yes, and you have that it's he's he's really good um the older uh doctor he's basically um what's what would I call it? he's basically the John Hammond mm-hmm. of this group uh you know he hes he's the smart guy he's leading the way uh he doesn't really know where he's going. We also, we go down to the, the Black Lagoon, and then we see here, then we have uh, one of my favorite characters uh, in both this and the second one. We have uh, Captain Lucas. <laughs> I love that he comes back. I love Captain Lucas. He's basically this this hard-drinking uh, sea captain uh, who's basically the Quint yep. of, this, of this whole story. And when you're on uh, the
1: boat, he's in charge,
0: damn it. Exactly. And, uh, you know, he doesn't have much to eat, but what he has to eat is good. I think, that's a, I think that's a line in the movie. Uh, but yeah, no, uh, they go down there, they get attacked. Uh, the murders in this are pretty brutal. Yeah. I'll say that. Uh, the creature strangles and suffocates and cuts open quite a few deckhands. He loves to just, like, slash and thrash. Uh, my favorite kill of his in this movie is when he just, like, grabs their face and just crushes their skull. <laughs> Uh it's it it's very cool, uh very reminiscent of uh, you know, what Jason Voorhees does from time to time. Mm. When he doesn't have a weapon at hand, he's just like, you know what? I'm just gonna crush this guy. Yeah. Be- because I'm Jason and I can. Yeah. So yeah, the uh the one guy's girlfriend, uh Kay Lawrence, I like that name, Kay, is played by Julie Adams, and she is a vision. She is wonderful and delightful, and she doesn't play your typical Female role, and she kind of, she kind of like, she does her thing, mm-hmm. you know. She she's not. I mean, yes, other characters will try to boss her around, but she doesn't really listen. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> which she's, is which is good. They're like, you should stay here. You should do this. And she's like, nah,
1: nah. She I'm not is right. I'm not gonna the star that. of the film. Like, she really is. She the, is. I think she's kind of the centerpiece uh, along with the creature, and then you yes. just kind of accept the rest of the normal human men as like. Secondary characters.
0: Yes, like I mean, I've seen this movie
1: countless times,
0: and the only character names I can tell you are Creature K and Lucas. <laughs> That's and I love than me, <laughs> and I love this
1: movie. Yeah, at one point they are able to capture the creature, and they put him in a cute little jail cell on the boat. It's fun. Yeah, I, yeah, I I love his little jail his with his little cell. His hands coming up to the bars yes. like uh, naturally he gets out. He wrecks some stuff. He jumps back in the ocean, and then. He traps them into the lagoon. Yeah, which is awesome. Yeah, he he creates like a little beaver dam so that yeah. the boat can't get out, it's and great. so now they have to go into his territory in order to try and free themselves. And um, he, like he's, like you said, he uh, he takes K. He uh, retreats back to his to his, his awesome like grotto lair. He's got an awesome layer slash grotto. Like his gillman bachelor uh, pad is yes, the coolest the best. thing I've ever seen. There's like little pools. There's fog and mist.
0: Uh, it just looks awesome.
1: Yeah, no, it's absolutely. Uh, I say that about uh, every one of these movies, but the the set design and the set oh, the production design's the, amazing here. It's just beautiful.
0: And then, of course, you know, uh, the movie ends on a, on a down note, uh, which is <laughs> which is
1: a shame. I mean, it's it like. We have an affection for the Gill Man. I don't know if the movie necessarily sees it as a no, hard down note. We do. Yes, in we, that I, the monster I, I, is dead.
0: Yeah, I feel sad for the monster. Yeah, or yeah, is he dead?
1: Bum, bum, bum. Bum, bum. Okay, can we
0: talk about the music? Yeah, it's Rogue in Michael? every
1: movie after this,
0: <laughs> where it's just that one
1: tone over and over and over again. It um yeah. So this uh, this uh, score is. I, I like it a lot and uh, it it got roped into the universal kind of stock music library. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> so you'll you'll hear it in a lot of things. It it yeah. shows up in several Godzilla movies when they got americanized. Yes. Um it's so yeah, just keep your ears open for that like three-note little 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 tone. Yeah, it's, it's pretty great. It's great. Love it. Okay, so this is the
0: first time you've ever seen 1955's Revenge of the Creature, am I correct? <laughs> yeah, it is. Okay,
1: it's, what what did you think this was going to be going in? So, so many of these sequels are pretty much just, like, the first movie, but more. Uh-huh. So I was expecting a new group of people to come to the lagoon and to, you know, battle the creature there. And, you know, maybe there'd be, like, one or two slight twists, but... And you and you got that for the I first got five minutes. I got that, yeah. And so they they go to the lagoon, they, they take the creature this time, and they just take him to SeaWorld. Hell yeah! Yeah, and so now it's the creature in society, and, like...
0: That's Which what I amazing. would have wanted from a
1: sequel, and yeah. I'm so glad they gave it to me.
0: Yes, uh, this movie is basically the inspiration for everything from uh, from Jurassic Park to Jaws three to Jurassic World. Uh, basically, any time that you catch a deadly creature and bring him with society, guess what? Bad things are going to happen, folks. Yeah, and uh, the humans in this are pretty uniformly bad. Maybe society's the real Gill man. There you go. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, I really I really love this movie. It's one of my favorite sequels of any of the uh, if any of the universal monster movies. Yeah. Uh I love the idea of bringing him to like an aquarium. Yep. Where you know people could just pay money to see the Gillman. Yeah. It it's it's like it's like going to like uh the aquarium in, in Georgia and be like you can swim with the whale sharks. <laughs> except here you can swim with the Gill Man because we put him in a really shallow pool with a
1: ladder. How is he going to get out? Who knows? Uh- <laughs> I will say this movie really does lean more on Gill Man as the good guy.
0: In yes, that it does. The
1: human main characters are awful. Yeah, like, for whatever reason, we're supposed to identify and respect the guy with, like, the cattle prod who's just yeah, you know, zapping the hell out of the poor Gill Man to try and figure it, out how smart he is. It was the 50s. So, you know, you had to, like, you know, animal abuse was a thing, I guess. But they're right? like, right? Gilman is smart enough to understand no. Let's zap him a couple more times just to yeah. make sure. Just to make sure he knows what this word means. It's like, guys, you, no. You're not allowed yeah. to, Once you've established that he's smart, you can't keep zapping him. Yeah, you guys are dicks, basically. Not that you uh, should zap dumb animals, either. I just no. want to come down on that. No, don't do that.
0: That's bad. Uh... But yeah, this movie uh is also a big thing. It's the um the film debut of Clint Eastwood. Yep. Uh he plays a lab assistant who is very dumb. He can't find he's doing research with, you know, rats and cats. Uh stuff that rhymes basically. And he goes to his superior. He's like, you know, last night there were four rats here. Uh, I can't find the fourth one now. There's only three. I think the, the last rat is in that cat's stomach. And his, his boss is basically <laughs> like, how about you check your pockets, dummy? And he gets this cute little rat out of his
1: pocket. He's like, oh, there you are, bud. I found you. Classic Tobey Maguire situation.
0: <laughs> yes, yes. Cla- <laughs> classic Clint. Look at him go. And then actually the same year, he would show up in Jack Arnold's uh, tarantula as well. Okay. As, as a... Uh, I believe he stops on the side of the road to help someone and fires
1: a shotgun at the giant tranchlets. That's what happens there. That seems about right. Yeah. So this movie, uh, you know, um I it has my personal favorite universal monster kill. This kill is amazing. It's so good. He picks up a dude and chucks him into a tree, and they just set the dude on wires. So he like he arcs in like yes. a really beautiful way and is, yes. Like, face plants against the tree and his body just goes <laughs> spinning after he's hit it it's and like it's he's, just, it
0: goes on like an arc yeah it's, it's like he's so on a swing
1: brutal and graceful at the same time and i just I, love that guy it so had to much get hurt
0: right I, that guy I, had to get hurt i mean his he, he slams into that tree really hard with i
1: can't face. remember the image it, it was it a dummy maybe
0: who knows it might have been who knows it might have been a guy on wires
1: yeah i love it it's so good good for him <laughs>
0: Uh, so, yeah, then you know the the Gilman obviously escapes, goes on a hunt, goes after you know the love interest who you know it 's not as strong in this you know because it's not Julie Adams,
1: yeah, and it's another blonde,
0: yeah, it's some other blonde uh the Gilman you know stalks her, finds her at a hotel, uh Gilman kills a dog, which yep. i didn't i didn't care for, <laughs> I was like, oh don't do that, I mean we'll see later on in these in this in this episode, you know the Gill Man kills animals. Yeah, uh, but I'm a dog. Oh, yeah. But
1: I'm a dog person, and uh, don't
0: like that. Don't care I like
1: me. all God's animals, but some of them and that are includes horrible. the Gill Man. So if the Gill Man needs to kill a dog, that's fine. That's far, fine. Far be it for me to tell him now. Uh, so shack yeah. him with a cattle prod. But
0: <laughs> but the hotel scene is pretty cool. And yeah, and you know, yet again, the movie ends on a down note in my mind. Yeah, maybe not in the studio's mind. And this brings us to the third of the series.
1: I have not seen this, but it sounds insane. Don't. Tell me about it. I'm going to see it, but please tell me. Okay, about- they, go back, they go back to find uh,
0: the Gill Man again. Uh, except this time the Gill Man gets caught on fire somehow, <laughs> which takes away its gills. <laughs> so what does a, this movie do? It gives one of the coolest features of the Gill Man, his gills, and takes them
1: away. And they give him human lungs Now he's the man he's, he's just the man now Which is honestly Earth's most frightening monster This is the, this is the most
0: dangerous game Men <laughs> uh, I mean this movie has a decent cast uh, I don't know the accent uh, I know one of them is Rex Reason So Exeter and Cal Meacham from This Island Earth show up oh,
1: that's
0: And fun. Exeter plays a complete asshole Who just wants to keep the the man in a cage <laughs> On his like weird little wildlife preserve, uh, he he we- the 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 creature wears a, a trench coat
1: in this. Yeah, Matt, I have a question for you, just from the still images I've seen. Yeah, why is the creature so thick in this one? Because he's wearing bandages and but such. Like, he's beefy. Because now he has lungs, and I don't know if you knew <laughs> this, but
0: lungs add about fifty pounds to you. Okay,
1: he's just he's built like a brick wall. It looks. This movie's like. this movie's very bad. I hate it.
0: All right. Uh, it's probably the worst of any of these movies that I've seen. Okay. My. And I've seen some really bad ones. And it kind of tarnishes whatever goodwill you may have towards the Gill Man. Especially now that he is just the
1: man. <laughs> what a weird choice. How do I you... Do, I like, don't like it. I don't like it, sir. <laughs> you know how I said that the second one made every right choice I wanted to see out of a sequel? Yes. What meeting happened where they said... Because it's not just that he's... Like... I understand. Gilman has lungs now. Now he can get you anywhere. So, like the audiences in you know Kansas could be like, "Oh no, now we could get got by no, the no,
0: Gilman. the Gilman's going to get us." But the why make him look us. so different? Because the lungs, I guess. I don't know. But, I'm talking artistically. <laughs> Who knows?
1: This is just I don't a movie. Of, this is just here. a
0: movie of bad decisions, Jacob. Um, yeah, creature walking up, walk among us. Uh, skip it. Do not watch this. It is not very good.
1: I'm not going to listen to your advice, but I I respect it. Uh,
0: This brings us, oh boy, 1980s Humanoids of the Deep, a Roger Corman production for New World Pictures, and that's how you know it's good. Uh, (laughs) This movie's insane. This movie is basically uh, fish people attacking a small resort town, like a fishing town. Uh, There's a lot of, you know, small town, like, intrigue and shit. It's basically Creature from Black Lagoon meets Nobody's Fool. It's not. Don't take don't take that comparison literally. Um, no, it's it's completely bad shit insane. It it's really sleazy.
1: It, it like, is su- very sleazy, um,
0: supremely sleazy. There's a lot of uh, fishman rape, which is that's a choice.
1: Yeah, the ending's great. Yeah, so once the once the fish people like start attacking everybody, this movie does get kind of rad. I, yeah, the last twenty five minutes are amazing. The fish people have an amazing design. I think Rob they did that of the thing yeah i think that's like maybe one of the best creature designs that we've ever seen it's really good looking this movie
0: has is is as the kids say problematic
1: yeah so i i want to talk a little bit about that so originally this uh this film was directed by barbara Peters. she turned in the film and uh so roger corman we all know and a lot of us love. I, I you know, I, I have quite a lot of affection for him. I think he's a Same. I think he's a more interesting director than he is a producer sometimes. Yeah. But um but his movies need boobs and blood, Jacob. Yes. So in this era of Corman's career, he had really broken down filmmaking to a essentially a chart of things that every film of his needed to have. Yes. And um because he was very proud of the fact that he had never lost a dime on any of his films. <laughs> Except for The Intruder with uh, William Shatner, which is his best film and the only one that ever lost money. Interesting. I need to see this. Oh, yes. Uh, William Shatner plays a uh, racist demagogue who comes to a small town and starts to whip up bigotry. Sounds familiar. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but that's neither here nor there. So anyhow, uh, so Barbara Peters turns in her, her version of the film and it's a little slow paced. It's a little more, maybe not artistically driven, but there's a, uh, you know, there's a, a gun shyness to showing kind of some of the more lurid lurid aspects of this premise. Yeah. Which is that the fish people are raping the women. They're trying to reproduce. The men. Which is yes. the, like, the selling point of the film. Yes. Um, so, for all of the rape scenes she shot them, you know, very, things were in shadow, things were creepy, things were disturbing and disgusting. So anyhow, so, Corman... Complained that it didn't have the uh, required amount of nudity that his films had at the time. And in what I think is a morally reprehensible decision, he decided to have another director go in and add that sexualized nudity during the rape scenes. Great. Which is just about the worst way you could possibly have handled that. It's a bad choice. Yes. And uh, didn't tell anyone who had worked on the film. No. No. So when the uh when Humanoids of the Deep came out, Barbara Peters wanted her name taken off of it. The actors and actresses were very upset. And uh it really puts a stain not only on this film, but kind of how I feel about Corman as a whole. Yeah. But uh yes, yeah, so Humanoids from the Deep, there's a fun 20 minutes in this, but as a whole, this movie's kind of a bummer just conceptually. Uh I will say this has one of my favorite reaction shots I've seen mm-hmm. ever. Um
0: Okay, so there's a really unbelievable sequence in this that I can't take seriously from a real-world perspective. Uh, A a man uses a ventriloquist dummy to get laid. (laughs) Okay? Never in the history of
1: real life has this ever happened. Uh, I once interviewed a ventriloquist, and he was way too insistent among no prodding that he didn't believe his doll was alive. I'm just throwing that out as a fun thing that I've done once in my real life.
0: Well, guess what? Uh, in this, the doll apparently is alive because <laughs> everyone else in the tent gets murdered and then the doll's head turns around like, whoa, what's happening? Uh, that part is brilliant. Love and that it. is. That is why I will recommend this movie, All Things Considered. Yeah. Uh, it's got a real life dummy in it. This brings us, hey, okay, this is an offshoot of the fish man, but uh, I'm going to count him anyway. Uh, 1982's Swamp Thing.
1: Yeah, he's a creature from from A Lagoon. lagoon. (laughs) Uh,
0: Directed by Wes Craven. uh, Boy, that's weird. Based on the DC Comics character, starring uh, Leland Palmer himself, Ray Wise, and Adrian the Fog Barbeau. This movie is great. Oh, it also has the bad guy from Octopussy in it. Um, (laughs) I I gotta say, I saw this for the first time a few years ago on TV Mm -hmm. when I was at work. And I was not paying attention all that much. All I saw was a swamp and a giant monster fight at the end. Uh, I recently watched it in full. And uh, good lord.
1: Who knew that Wes Craven had a really fun comic book movie in him? You know who loved this movie? Who? Roger Ebert and Gene Siskel. Really? Two thumbs up for the swamp thing. Hell yes. Um, yeah, they, they said it's a really good, fun, goofy monster mash of a time. Yes, it is. It's...
0: I personally, I love it. Uh, Swamp Thing, ever since I was a teenager, has been my favorite DC Comics character. I really like the '70s stories by Len Wein. I really like uh, the Alan Moore stories mm-hmm. from the '80s. Uh, a few years ago, we got the New Fifty Two version from uh, you know Snyder, Scott Snyder, and them, and that's out of this world good. I've always loved Swamp Thing. I've always loved the character, and this movie's good. It gets to the heart of what Swamp Thing is. I, I really, really dig it, and. Plus,
1: it's a Wes Craven movie, so yes, it's bloody, and it's violent, and it's fun. Matt, can I tell you my Swamp Thing fun story? Please do. So, when my cousin was first born, and I was, I guess, maybe about five or six, okay, and, and I, I saw th- this newborn baby boy, apparently, I, I don't have any memory of this, but my family all remembers and loves this, that the <laughs> first thing that I said when I saw my newborn baby cousin was, he looks just like Swamp Thing. <laughs> How five-year-old me knew who the hell Swamp Thing was, beyond me. But I apparently was very insistent that he looked just like Swamp Thing.
0: Jesus. You're quite the <laughs> uncle. Or cousin. Quite the cousin.
1: Yep. Um, yeah,
0: I love Swamp Thing. I uh, need to see the sequel, which I hear is a just a comedy.
1: Jim Winarski, baby! Chopping Maul himself. Chopping... Uh, I'll Man. probably love it. Hold on. This is a complete tangent, but do you please know do what it. other movies Jim Winorski has directed? Not off the top of my head. Okay. I want to just read you just some random titles from his IMDb because he has what I think is the greatest IMDb credits of all please. time. 103 films he has directed. Good Lord. His most recent film is called Cobra Gator. Yes, please. Followed by A Dog on Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> Followed by Legend of the Naked Ghost. Followed by A on Christmas. Oh, this is a series. Followed by Shark and Saw Women's Prison Massacre. Sure. Scared Topless. Of course. <laughs> if he has a brand, ladies and he gentlemen. He has two, br- well, he has three brands. He has monster movies, kids movies, and then sex movies. Yeah, Clearly. Uh, I love the Dino Croc vs. Super Gator. I think I've seen that one. The Hills Have Thighs. <laughs> this, I think, has the greatest title of all time. Busty Cops Go Hawaiian. Ah, uh, yes.
0: <laughs> I think they used the unused script for Beetlejuice Goes Hawaiian for that yeah,
1: one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's a documentary about him trying to make the movie The Breastford Wives that I haven't oh seen, God. but I hear I the gotta, documentary gotta, is pretty good. Yeah. So, Or maybe it was The Witches of Brestwick. It's one of those. <laughs> I have the movie. I will be watching it soon. I'll probably
0: like it. It's supposed to be a big goofy comedy. It's got Heather Locklear. Looks like a good time. Yeah. Um, but I do also. I have the uh, the TV series, which is also really good. I don't know oh, if you've ever yeah. really seen that.
1: Uh, I have read the Wikipedia page many times for some reason. I grew up watching that. It's very good stuff. I had a few uh, toys from the animated series. Same. So
0: did I. What I a- had one. I had one where he shot like a, like a swamp net. What a world
1: where we have so many Swamp Thing stories. Because Swamp, swamp Thing is the best, Jacob. I don't know if yeah, you know this. Yeah, I know that. But like, of he's all the, the he's DC the Comics of the characters, green. <laughs> why do we have two Swamp Thing movies, three Swamp Thing TV shows? Yes. That's yeah, wild. I, I know. It's great. What it's, a world. I love Swamp Thing. He's
0: Bless him. If bless you see him Swamp, swamp Thing, swamp. say Swamp Thing. <laughs> <laughs> this brings us to, oh boy, you haven't seen this. 1987's Demon of Paradise, directed by- Yeah, tell by, me
1: about this. The poster di- looks cool.
0: Directed by Sirio H. Santiago, director of such masterpieces as Silk, Equalizer 2000, Vampire Hookers,
1: Death Force, and Wheels of Fire. Um, Man, those this, are not as good as Jim Winorski titles, I gotta tell you that. This movie sucks. I- uh, <laughs> Okay, this movie is is, is is as if
0: someone remade Creature from the Black Lagoon. Like they were like, I want to make Creature from Black Lagoon. I heard someone describe the story at a party I was at last weekend from across the room, but I had earplugs in, and I couldn't really hear what they were saying.
1: How is it hard to mess up the story? There's like so basically two plot all,
0: points. All they knew was there's a fishman, and there's a lady, and the and the fishman wants the lady. That's all you have to know And But no This movie is just It's its very 80s It's very cocaine uh, They talk They actually use the phrase Nose candy Which I've never heard <laughs> Ever Outside of Scarface I don't even think they say it in Scarface uh, This movie's bad it's very bad. Any candy it, is nose candy if you try hard enough. This is true. I just shoved a Reese's up my Halloween, nose. Happy I just shoved a Reese's uh, ghost up my nose about an hour <laughs> ago. Uh, you, this movie, I don't know where you can find it. It's on YouTube. It's its a movie. I don't know. That's a Whatever. pretty
1: good recommendation. It's not. Don't, don't <laughs> it's watch this. It's a movie. You know what? <laughs> Movies don't have to be good. They just have to exist. It's a
0: movie! Um, Okay, this, real quick, I just want to talk about, you've never seen this, but Will Arnett plays the missing link in a little movie from 2009 starring Reese Witherspoon himself and Seth Rogen called Monsters vs. Aliens. That's a lot of fun. Uh, I actually did an episode of a podcast on this once before, but I just want to say that I really like Will Arnett as the missing link. And this movie also has the best Invisible Man joke that I will bring up. Whenever I can, uh, you're unfamiliar with this, right? Like I am a,
1: completely unfamiliar with this. I okay, did not even well, realize the Invisible Man was in this film.
0: Oh well, he kind of isn't. Uh, okay, so <laughs> you you have the blob, you have the blob played by Seth Rogen. You have Hugh Laurie playing Doctor Cockroach PhD, which I guess is a take on the Fly. And you have the Missing Link. They've been caught in a underground uh, research facility for years and years and years, and they were also trapped. And uh, I, I think the joke joke goes something like. Uh, well, what about the Invisible Man, it says uh, Seth Rogen, and uh, they go over to him, and they're like, you know, we, don't wanna, we didn't want to hurt your feelings, but he died 30 years ago.
1: <laughs> and they,
0: and they, you, you, they flash over, and you see basically, like, a skeleton in a suit sitting at the table, because the Invisible Man's been dead for 30 years, but since he's invisible, no one knows.
1: That's cute. It's cute.
0: Children's movie, ladies and gentlemen.
1: You know, I, I have a question. For kids. The missing link between he, fish and man? Apparently, I don't know. He's just called the missing link. Who the hell knows? That's usually <laughs> saved for monkey men, right? Yes,
0: but in okay. this world, it was from fish. Okay,
1: just 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 asking. So now we uh, finally come to the the final feature of the night, and one that I think we both love. It's from a good boy <laughs> Guillermo del Toro, lowercase last name, guys for life. It's a little film called The Shape of Water. Yes, and Matt. Tell tell me about your love of The Shape of Water. Okay, first off, before we get to that,
0: uh, ding, 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 we're finally discussing a Best Picture winner. Um, Hell yeah, Academy Award winner! Academy Award winner, Cameron Toro for The Shape of Water a few years I ago. I don't give
1: a hunk about the Oscars, but boy, does it make me happy to see Guillermo Holden 2. Oh, I do, and uh, I live off of these things, and it <laughs> made me so happy that they went with
0: such a weird, weird movie that... It's- basically is everything i love about movies uh it has everything it yeah. li- it literally has everything it's it's got comedy horror drama It's it's a heist movie um a it's, musical it's number a, it's got a musical number and i cried when i first saw that in theaters it was Same. the most i turned into a blubbering mess uh when i watched that and uh you know what this is what happens when a director consistently goes to a studio and says, I want to remake your movie. And the studio consistently says, no. (laughs) And the director just goes, fine, I'll do it myself. Uh, He references the Amazon Mm -hmm. uh, in this movie numerous times. Uh, This is for all intents and purposes, revenge of, uh, revenge of the creature, but as a beautiful love story. And, this movie is wonderful. It takes place uh, in the 50s, uh, in Baltimore, uh, a little bit before, you know, hairspray times, I suppose. Uh,
1: do you want a great, it, uh, it's the
0: 60s. The 60s. Okay, so it takes place when, you know, so down the street, uh, Motor Mouth Mabel is, you know, getting the kids going with all yep. the hairspray and stuff. Uh, okay, so uh, Eliza, played by uh, Sally Hawkins, in a wonderful performance. Oh, uh, God, she's in- so good her and uh, Octavia Spencer work at as cleaning ladies at a underground facility uh which houses you know uh top secret projects and one day the evil Michael Shannon who I mean he's really good at this sort of thing uh brings into the facility something called that they call the asset which is a beautiful looking uh fishman Gilman uh played by the ever talented Doug Jones uh, this guy has done a lot of movies for Del Toro in the past uh, Listeners probably also know him from uh, Hocus Pocus uh, He was in that, he played uh, Billy Butcherson uh, He's great here
1: uh, he I was does... wondering if you were going to say Rise of the Silver Surfer <laughs> No, God, he was in that?
0: No thanks Yeah, he's um...
1: the Silver Surfer
0: Oh, well, good for him, getting yeah. overdubbed by Lawrence Fishburne
1: Yep and... <laughs> uh, Also, this is not his first time playing a fish man for uh, Guillermo because mm-hmm. uh, he's he's good old Abe Sapien and Abe Sapien films
0: from from the Hellmen Men films. Yep. Uh, but yes, I I love this movie. Uh, Eliza has a, uh, a a neighbor down the hall played by uh, Richard Jenkins who mm-hmm. I always love. Yeah, uh, he is always great and he's always heartbreaking. But here he's especially heartbreaking. Yeah, uh, there's just so much to this movie that I connect to mm-hmm. and I love and it's it's one of those movies where I could just throw it on any time I've seen this movie like six times, six or seven times uh it's magic. this movie is just it's it's him just telling like a modern uh fairy tale, and everything works, including somehow sex with a fishman
1: <laughs> yeah, which if, is a thing uh... that happens. If I could do the uh, the hand motion showing what his, his junk looks like I'm, over I'm doing earbuds, it right now, Jacob i would do doing it. it right now, Jacob Okay, yeah, we'll both do it This is yes. what it sounds like when the fish man's penis comes out The cloaca blooms,
0: as they say um, <laughs> Yeah, this movie is insane Jeez, um, I, I didn't even talk about Michael Stuhlbarg Who plays like oh, the, my uh, like a Russian double agent And he was having a great year uh, yeah. that year uh, doing this And uh, Call Me By Your Name and I think he was in another Best Picture nominee that year. But I can't remember what his third one was. But he was like the good luck charm uh, <laughs> going around that year. Uh, love him here. Uh, he's one of the scientists that basically uh, looks after uh, the asset and basically wants a good life for the asset. He He's like, they're going to chop this thing up. I don't want this to happen. And he does everything in his power to protect uh, the Fishman uh, Oh yeah, the third movie he was in that year was The Post So oh. yeah, he, he was in three uh, Best Picture nominees that year uh, This, Call Me By Your Name, and The Post uh, Three very good movies By yeah, three very good filmmakers This is my first filmmakers. time seeing
1: this after seeing uh, A Serious Man for the first time And boy howdy That movie floored me So I was ex- very excited to see him pop up in this He's quite good He's, amazing. He's I love extremely
0: him. reliable Uh Really always love him. Uh so yeah, let's get down to this uh, less movie. Less lovable. Uh we, we did skip over uh one Mr. Michael Shannon. We talked about him briefly, but he's no, a real we? piece of he's a real yeah, piece no, of he's shit. The worst. <laughs> he's awful. Uh yeah. he's married to basically, you know, this Betty Draper looking type. Any anyway, uh he's got like these weird this weird hand cuz the the man bit off a finger and it's gross and it smells and you can basically smell it through the screen it's the most disgusting thing uh Richard Jenkins like I said earlier he he plays uh the the uh the neighbor uh he's basically he's like a, he's an older man he's he's an older gay man uh in the 60s uh basically you know fired from his job uh for you know being who he is yeah. and basically just going through life just trying to like Find a friend, and he finds it in his neighbor who is like mm-hmm. this delightful uh, mute woman uh played by Sally Hawkins, and this is one of her best performances i mean this this you could say this is movie is the best for basically anyone involved yeah uh it is as a matter of fact my favorite Guillermo del toro um i I love his movies, uh but this one really takes the cake for me uh, mm-hmm. It's really on my level uh I haven't seen a movie of his that I haven't liked. That's a lie. That's a that's a major lie. Um Are you going to say mimic? No. Uh, I love uh, mimic. I love mimic. <laughs> love Uh-oh. mimic. Which one's Lo- all you like then? I Okay, listeners, uh cancel me whatever. I'm just I, gonna cut this out. I hate Pacific Rim with every fiber uh, of my being. Get game. out of
1: town, clown.
0: That movie sucks. Get
1: out of town,
0: you uh, clown. Um, I hated it when I saw it in theaters. God, it's
1: good we're hitting the kill both of us button at the end of the recording Uh, tonight. I
0: I tried revisiting it. I could never talk to you again. A few months ago, and uh, I hated it then. Uh,
1: I just cannot stand it. Back to Shape of Water, though. Yeah, Shape of Water, the movie we're here to talk about. Yes. I'm all hit up.
0: (laughs) (laughs) This movie rules. Uh, It's great. I don't really know what else to say. It's a movie that a a lot of people have seen, but I don't want to spoil. If that makes sense.
1: I do want to talk, uh, I guess, briefly about, you know, you you were going through the the kind of the cast and the relationships between everybody. And Del Toro, you know, he he very much described this as a modern fairy tale. And he described the setting of the 60s as an intentional way of distancing us so that he could make commentary on the present. Mm -hmm. But while we didn't necessarily feel preached to... And I think that the film really succeeds in that level, and I think one of the most interesting and compelling parts about it is that during the heist scene, you have all of these characters working together, and they're all characters who are working intersectionally because they all have different components of their identities Uh that make them invisible to, especially at the time, you know, what culture saw as lead heroic characters. Exactly. So you, I you love the heist here. It works on disability. multiple levels. You have, you, know, a, you have a gay man, you have a black woman, and they're all working together to save yeah. us. And they're all working against what Del Toro described as in any other version of this story, who would be the hero of the movie, and who actually exactly. is the hero in Revenge of the Creature.
0: Yes. With the cattle the prod the, and with all. With the cattle prod. Yeah. yeah. Who doesn't wash so much, his
1: hands after he pees. There's so much great... <laughs> You know, it's not a del Toro movie without very overt symbolism, both color palette wise and otherwise. So, you know, you mentioned his fingers getting ripped off and they are reattached to his body, but they're slowly decaying. And you're watching yes. as, you know, he is being corrupted and as he's, you know, essentially just showing his true colors. Um, the color palette in this movie, I think, is just absolutely beautiful. It's There's gorgeous. There's so much blue in every scene of this movie. Except for in Michael Shannon's house, where there's Mm -hmm. not a single drop of blue. Yeah, I Um, want to talk.
0: I want to talk real on a tech level. Uh, I have this on 4K on the 4K disc, and Mm -hmm. it's gorgeous. Yeah, Uh, it is. It's just it's immaculate. uh, The color timing that they did on this, they did all the HDR stuff for this, and uh, it looks better than I it probably looked in theaters. It's it's phenomenal. This movie looks really really good.
1: I love that you never see red in the film until um, the uh, the creature and uh, Sally Hawkins have sex for the first time. Yes, and the next time you see her, she has been dressed in blue the entire film. She has been dressed as water the entire mm-hmm. film. Now she is in a bright red outfit from head to toe, and for the rest of the film is wearing this red bow that is, you know, showing her awakening, showing her connection to somebody for the first time, for the first
0: time ever. Yes. Yeah. Uh, it's it's a beautiful, beautiful movie. And um, I just, I love it with all of my heart. It's, like I said before, it's a movie that I could watch so many times in a row. Like, yeah. I, I might watch it again next week. Like, this movie's really good. And it's one of those rare, I guess you could call it a weird movie, that really cleaned up at the Oscars.
1: Yep. <laughs> this was, I, this was nominated... This was nominated for 13 Academy Awards. I love this because it is the most Oscar Beatty story, except that there is a Fishman Who Fucks in it. Yes. Like exactly. if you take out the Fishman Who Fucks, it's <laughs> a movie about racism in the past, about a love of movies, there's yes. a musical sequence. Like it's all yeah. of, all of the things that always get all the Oscars. But then there's also a fish man who bones down, and that's never in those movies. No, should be. Yes,
0: uh, this movie, God, it's it's such a great. It's a trick by Del Toro. Really, uh, it really did a. He did it a phenomenal job here. Now I'm going to run down what it was nominated for, real quick. Uh, film it was up for editing. Sound mixing, sound editing, costume design Cinematography, which I think it should have won uh, Screenplay, which I think it should have won uh, Supporting actress, Octavia Spencer uh, Supporting actor, Richard Jenkins Supporting uh, lead actress, Sally Hawkins uh, And it did win, in fact uh, Production design, best score The music in this is beautiful uh, And then it won best director for Del Toro Hell yes, and best picture And uh, yes, I own a Guillermo Del Toro t-shirt of him holding up the two
1: Oscars I also um, own that shirt And y'all should go to Super Yaki and buy that shirt cause... Yes,
0: superyaki.com Bless them, bless their hearts They do the Lord's work I have so many of their t-shirts Same. Uh, I think honestly my favorite of theirs Might be the League of Their Own t-shirt That just says <laughs> Dream Team on it I I, <laughs> I love that shirt They do great work um, They also have, I think we mentioned on the previous episode uh, The Mummy 1999 is
1: perfect that is they, true. they just
0: put that back in print uh, Super Yaki, this episode is brought to you by Super Yaki <laughs> As is the entire series
1: I, uh, I wore a Del Toro shirt to a uh, a hardware store Not too long ago And um, <laughs> the woman behind the counter was just like Is that Guillermo Del Toro? And I was like, hell yeah it is And <laughs> then yeah, we high-fived is. And it was the best moment of my life <laughs> That was wonderful yeah. Uh, But yeah, Shape of
0: Water, it's wonderful If you haven't seen it, please check it out I mean, we haven't spoiled it all that much Except for the fact that, you know Yeah, she's fucking that fish um God, I wish we had more time to talk about it it 's so uh, good
1: we'll we'll yeah, we could talk del Toro one day because he 's got some really good monster movies he's uh he 's one of my top he 's in my top tier my top faves i, he's, I personally love everything he 's ever done
0: he's top ten for me without a doubt I mean, with the exception of one big thing he hasn't let me down so we 're going to have
1: to have a talk about that out there
0: don 't worry we will <laughs> um but yeah this this has been our Spooky Season podcast.
1: Yes, thanks for joining us. For, Monsters uh, never die. Yeah. Um,
0: I know that listeners sent in us sent in some questions, um, but there were a lot of questions and a few that we really need to think on. So we are actually going to do a bonus episode where we, you know, basically recap everything we talked about. We're going to answer those questions on that episode, and we will tease. You know, we will talk about what's coming next in the future. But I will answer one question. Arlen Harrow asks, "What fishman has the biggest genitalia? Not just length, but surface area, weight, etc." Bonus: How many orifices do you think they generally have? It's obviously the fishman from *Shape of Water*. He's, he's, got, he's got the biggest junk in his cloaca trunk. Is that's my answer?
1: That's a fair answer.
0: Did you see the look on Sally Hawkins' face?
1: She's very satisfied. <laughs> She's very happy.
0: She's quite pleased that she, you know, nice fella, as Richard Jenkins calls him.
1: Yeah. No, I, 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 can't, I can't deny that answer.
0: Yeah. And
1: uh, it's so certainly the only one whose junk we hear about. Exactly.
0: <laughs> or that, you know, hey, we even, maybe even that we want to hear about. Yes. But uh, we will answer the rest of the questions on our bonus episode that we'll be recording very soon. Jacob, uh, until next time,
1: where can the people find you online? People can find me online, as always, at Jacob underscore DeNobel on Twitter. And as for me, you can find me on Twitter at the TheRealMattC. You can also
0: find the show on Twitter at MonstersDiePod. Uh, that's our Twitter account. Uh, we've been gaining some followers. Uh, we post a lot of fun monster stuff on there. And even when we're not putting out episodes, we will still be updating that account uh, with a bunch of fun spooky stuff. Because uh, I don't know if you know this, Jacob, but uh, spooky season never ends.
1: No it does not
0: It never ends Uh, So until next time Monsters never die